Morley Robbins is a wealth of information. I've followed him for a long time and to have the opportunity to sit down and visit has been an absolute pleasure. He brings a awareness around some minerals that uh, are crucial. I think they're very important and he connects some dots for the optimal health and overcoming some of these uh, you know, chronic diseases that are rampant in a way that uh, makes makes a whole lot of sense. So enjoy this visit with Morley. Welcome to the Sewing Prosperity Podcast with host Logan Duvall. This father of four is an Arkansas successful small business owner whose world was turned upside down with the cancer diagnosis of his then five-year-old son. As Napoleon Hill famously stated, every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Come and join us on our journey to create a Blue Zone community with a focus on a holistic approach to anti-cancer, regenerative farming, and strengthening local economies. Morley, I really appreciate you coming on. I have dove into your work uh, various ways through your book and all kinds of podcasts that you've done. Uh, I was turned on to you some somehow through uh, Carolyn Dean's book uh, and trying to understand magnesium, and then that led me to you. And so, uh, thank you for for your work and what you do. Uh, can you? Can you tell me how you came across the magnesium and why that seems to be such an important uh, mineral? Yeah, no, it's it's critically important, uh, and that's actually my to the extent that anyone has a stage name, my stage name is Magnesium Man, but i <laughs> i spend I spend most of my time talking about copper, but there's a reason for that. Um, so, I'm a former hospital guy was a hospital executive for 12 years and then a consultant for 20 and um, grew up on the outskirts of Baltimore. So my, my nickname is Baltimorely and I'm the last guy you want on the farm, just so you know. If, you, if you're looking for an extra hand, you can pick everybody else but me. <laughs> like, like, what's this? But, um, but, I can, but I can talk about minerals better than most. And I was pulling a suitcase behind my back for 20 years, going through, going through airports. And I developed what's called frozen shoulder. And I couldn't pick my hand up above my waist. And it was very painful. It was very immobilizing, as you can imagine. Try to picture what you do every day, and you can't pick your hand above, above your waist. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be very much help bailing hay and stuff like that. And um, I went to a health food store and I said, you, that I've been going to for 20 years. And I said, you, you must have something to, to uh, cure this. And they said, you need to go see Dr. Liz. And I put my hands up and I said, look, I don't do witchcraft because I was an allopathic brat. I just, I knew that, that, that when you have a doctor and then someone's first name, that meant chiropractor. And like, they didn't know what they were doing. And they sold me some supplements and I came back two months later and I said, look, I can't sleep. I'm in writhing pain. And the owner of the store, she looked me in the eyes. She said, Morley, we love you. Go see Dr. Liz. Well, to bring this, a long story to a close, Dr. Liz is now my wife. 
and she healed my shoulder by there's a, a, a muscle in this joint on the inside it's called the pterygoid muscle and with the full weight of her body she pushed on that uh, muscle that was all locked up it was probably one of the most painful experiences of my life but as she pushed my arm lifted up it was a miracle it was absolutely a miracle and that, that's the power of chiropractic now i'm a total i flipped 180 degrees i'm like everyone needs to go find a good chiropractor and they'll solve most of their problems but um i quit my job i became her girl friday and i said do you mind if i do research she said no that's fine whatever just as long as you've checked people in and out you know that i don't care what you do and for some reason i was drawn to carolyn dean's book the magnesium miracle i don't know where it's like i don't know where that came from but it's like i had to read that book and we were driving back from a wedding in north carolina back to chicago and i'm reading this book like it's a murder mystery because suddenly i know why everyone's in the hospital because they're magnesium deficient right and it was amazing so when i get back there i was sharing it with one of her clients who was a psychologist and she said well morley maybe you should start writing articles about what you're learning and she said i think you should use paradoxical intent and i looked at her i said what are you talking about she said reverse psychology i went oh so i created an article that it was the first the first thing i wrote was a little book and it's called let's get fat and it was a 10-step plan on how to get fat in a little tiny book and i sold it for like five bucks and people would go through and say, well i'm doing that i'm doing that and i'd look at them i said how's that working for you and they were all overweight of course and so then i decided to write a book about um, heart disease and so i wrote the, the article is called let's make a heart attack and it was a 10-step plan based on the american heart association's recommendations and what i was able to prove is that seven of their steps would cause a heart attack not stop a heart attack and one step number eight was eliminate magnesium from your diet make sure you have no magnesium and i shared it um with with this client and she she, she read it and she said more this is very good very funny she said but i can't help but wonder if step number eight isn't more important than you realize and i went yeah you're probably right and that's when i took a deeper dive into magnesium and and it took me almost five years to figure out why everyone loses magnesium and i was reading a, a research article about iron from an italian research team if you if you want to understand iron you go to countries that begin with the letter i iraq iran italy um it's it, you know iceland it's amazing all these every one of those countries has gifted researchers studying iron i have no idea why but they do but this one was an italian team and the first sentence was 
the, the greatest stress on planet Earth is iron stress. I went, wait a minute. And suddenly, like, like a ton of bricks hit me because I had been studying stress for years. Why is everyone, and I called it the magnesium burn rate because you were losing magnesium to stress. And suddenly, I was able to connect excess iron to oxygen, which is then called oxidative stress. And oxidative stress is what burns up magnesium. And that's why copper is so important. It's because copper is the only element on the planet that can regulate both iron and oxygen at the same time and prevent magnesium loss. And it's, it's just incredible how it all kind of ties together. And, and for some reason, Carolyn Dean never picked up on it. She just let me kind of run with it. And all these other people talk about magnesium, magnesium, magnesium. It's like, well, that's, you know, you can, you could drink a bucket of magnesium and not solve the copper problem that's causing the iron problem that's causing the magnesium loss. And so it's just that that was my stock and trade of connecting the dots. And I've been talking about it now for almost a decade. I, I love it. So let's get into the, the copper. So it's probably the most common deficiency that we don't talk about. Right. Like uh, and there's <laughs> so much confusion. I know, you know, there's there's another, you know, kind of uh, platform that really pushes for very high, high dose uh, yes. copper. And so right. I know that you you don't. Um, I, can you help me understand why we all believe that copper toxicity is this massive problem that most everybody deals with? Sure, absolutely. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, the meme that runs medicine on planet Earth is very simple. You're anemic and you're copper toxic. That's the meme, getting people to believe that they need more iron and you've got too much copper and you've got to get rid of it. And if I were Satan, that's exactly what I'd want everyone to believe. A, a colleague of mine who's a practitioner, she's a naturopathic uh, doctor. She's meeting with a client tomorrow who's been taking 300 milligrams of iron every day for years and she's still anemic Think about that. You need one milligram a day. And she's been taking almost a year's worth every day for several years, and she's still anemic. At some point, we should say, wait, 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 something's wrong here. You know? And, and what we're led to believe is, oh, you must be bleeding internally, or there must be something wrong with your digestion. It's like, no, here, it's a very simple, it's a very simple problem to solve. There's a world-renowned um, research scientist. His name was Bruce Ames. He's still living. He spent most of his career at UC Berkeley. And in 2004, he wrote a very important article on um, aging in cells. The, the technical term for aging is called senescence. So anytime we can complicate it, make it more complicated, that's what scientists love to do. But it was the aging of cells. And what he learned in that study was that um, iron in the tissue 
can be 10 times higher than iron in the blood. So when you do a blood test, you're measuring blood. You're not measuring tissue. You think the blood is a reflection of tissue. It's not. It's completely different. Completely different. And so we've been trained, like circus bears, to believe that the blood test is an accurate representation of what's going on in the tissue. And what Dr. Ames revealed was, no, it's, it's ten, 10 times off. And now, just to put it in perspective, because most people have never heard of Bruce Ames. It's like, you know, Bob Smith, who is this guy? At the peak of his career, he was the most quoted scientist on planet Earth. So this is a guy who carries weight. And, and when Bruce Ames talk, you kind of lean in and say, yes, sir. <laughs> I, you'll get a kick out of this. The first time I spoke publicly about magnesium, and, and Carolyn Dean greeted me at the meeting. She gave me a, a, a beads you know, from, from Hawaii, and she was so excited I was there, and I was just so full of myself because I knew all the stuff about magnesium. I looked down in the audience, and who's in the front row? Bruce Ames. Bruce Ames. <laughs> and I'm like, I got weak in the knees. And suddenly, like, I like I was at, at the top rung of a 100-foot ladder. I'm like, woo. <laughs> but I got through it, and I asked him, I said, how did I do? He said, not, not bad. I was actually pretty good. So I was, I was like, okay, that was as close as I was going to get to a Nobel Prize. But um, people don't realize that their doctors are not taught about minerals that their, their degree, their MD degree, stands for mineral denialist, that their diploma is printed on Swiss cheese because there's glaring holes in what they don't know about physiology because they're not taught about minerals. Now, you, you're a farmer, right? I have a farmer's market. I work with a lot of farmers. Okay. Well, you know how important minerals are in farming, right? Yeah. Can you run a farm without minerals? No. no one in their right mind would try to be a farmer and not understand minerals, right? And I, minerals are just as important in our soil as they are in the soil that farmers use. But they're not, doctors are not taught that. I, I, I have vowed that I would create a three-day medical school. Day one learn how to measure minerals. Day two, learn how to restore minerals. Day three, learn how to play golf. That's it. Yeah. Morley, the first uh, mineral understanding that I had actually came out of a goat book uh, from Pat Colby, and it yeah, was talking absolutely. about <laughs> copper. Um, and so, honestly, that was where I very first started I wouldn't say understanding it, but becoming aware of the importance of it right. because of how prevalent uh, copper deficiency in goats and, and how, how damning that could be. Well, let's put that into perspective. <laughs> uh, a very dear friend of mine who's an Amish dairy farmer told me I needed to buy. He said, have, have you read Pat Colby's books? I said, no. I'm like, I'm like, I said, Sam, I'm so busy. I don't have time for that. And he comes back about six weeks later. He said, did you get those books by Pat Colby? And I said, 
I said, look, I told you I was, I, I'm distracted. I don't have time for that. <laughs> he comes back a third time and I'm so mad. I'm like, I can't. And I said, okay, what are the names of those books? And I, just, I ordered them online. And, and as I've told him and I've told people publicly for, since then, four of the most important books I've read were by Pat Colby, Natural Goat Care, Sheep Care, Cattle Care, and Horse Care. Now, let's put it in perspective. What's the average goat weigh? 60 pounds. But give or take, maybe, maybe a little yeah. less, maybe a little more. What's the daily copper requirement for a goat? 10 milligrams. 10 milligrams. The average human weighs 150 pounds. And the recommended daily allowance, the RDA for copper, is nine-tenths of one milligram. And that's why we have a crisis on this planet. What people don't know is what COVID really stood for, because I renamed it. COV stands for Coppers Vanished. ID stands for Irons Dysregulated. And all of the chaos of COVID was about cytokine storms. That's the technical term for it. How do you create a cytokine storm? You remove copper and iron will take over in the body. And that's exactly what happened. What's a good way to what's a good way to remove copper? Put people in a state of fear. Was there much fear in 2020? Definitely. 2021, 2022. And when you have chronic fear, you have constant release of adrenaline and cortisol. And what does cortisol do? It increases the production of a critical protein called metallothionine four to five fold. Four to five fold increase in metallothionine in a state of chronic fear. And what does metallothionine do? Oh, it binds up copper a thousand times stronger than it binds up zinc. And so effectively what you've done is you've taken copper out of the equation and iron takes over. Now you're a big, strong guy. You probably know someone who's twice as strong as you. Try to picture someone who's a thousand times stronger than you. You can't, the numbers yeah. get so big, we can't relate to it. But I'm telling you, a thousand times stronger is really bad. And Zach Bush, you may know that name, he's a physician. Um, he made an observation during COVID that was really important. He discovered that the highest concentration of COVID was in glyphosate-ridden areas. You know, Roundup, you've heard of it, right? Okay. GPS, you know? Why, why was that important? Do, do you know what glyphosate does to copper? Do you have any idea? It's a, a, a chelator. Okay, but let's talk about... The, the chelating properties of glyphosate. If the farming community needs to understand this really well, because it chelates all minerals, but it has a special preference for copper. It chelates copper a billion times faster than it chelates magnesium. 
it chelates zinc a thousand times stronger than it chelates copper. So suddenly what you understand is copper's in the crosshairs of glyphosate. And, and we're on a planet with oxygen. 21% of the air we breathe has oxygen in it. Can't live without it, right? Well, you can't age without oxidative stress. That's what, that's what causes aging. And again, back to copper's role is to allow us to live with oxygen. The most important chemical transaction on planet Earth happens inside our mitochondria. We've only got 40 quadrillion of them. That's 15 zeros. But the most important transaction happens at complex four. And it's called cytochrome C. That's a cytochrome is just a, um, a colored protein. Cytochrome C oxidase. Oh, well, that's where oxygen, O2, becomes 2H2O, two molecules of water. And when that happens, it releases what are called magnesium ADP. Those are the energy precursor molecules that go over to complex five to become three molecules of magnesium ATP. Now we make our body weight in ATP every day. Every day we gotta be making this. And, and if, we're, if we're spooked, if we're scared, complex four and complex five don't work. And, and when do pathogens take over? When we can't make enough energy. They are, they, they increase their vitality in the presence of our lack of energy. It's, it's the inverse of what you would think it is. So Does, that make Morley, let, Does that make sense yeah, to you? No, it, yes, it does. I'm, I'm trying to tie in, to in a whole nother rabbit trail, though. So when we're looking at the electron transport chain, right, and we, yep. we've got the mineral component, how does the mineral and then light, right, how does that play in together? Because if, uh, you know, you, you take in the effect of, say, grounding, right, and the Becker's work, um, you know, I just talked to Dr. Jack Cruz. Uh, there's, there's a lot that I feel like I have not been able to connect based off of minerals and light. Uh, with melanin or melatonin, um, can you can you help me with that? Sure. How much time do we have? We, you got all the time you need, buddy. <laughs> um, I think the world of Jack Cruz, but he doesn't talk about minerals enough. I, you know, that was I. I didn't have the time to dive into that with him. And I really wanted his perspective earlier. And I thought I got Morley coming up next and I feel like he can tie it together. Right. So he's, he's a neurosurgeon. What's his degree? Mineral denialist. <laughs> What's he love to do? He loves to talk about POM C, P-O-M-C. I'm sure he talked about it with you. Do you know how you turn on POM C? See, there, there's signaling peptides in our body. They all work just like this phone. They don't work unless it's turned on. Palm C doesn't work unless it's turned on. There's 4,700 signaling peptides in our body. 
4,700. You could probably name three or four. Jack could probably name 10. There's 4,700. And every one of them is activated by one enzyme. It's called the PAM enzyme. You've never heard of it. Jack's never heard of it. It's 35 letters long. Peptidoglycine alpha amidating monooxygenase. You've never heard of it. Uh-uh. And, I, and I'm not, I'm just, it's just a statement of fact. I've talked to 50 doctors. Not one knows what I'm talking about. Not one. I'm talking about people at Jack Cruz's level. They've never heard of it. I was at a dinner with a, with a very, very, very high profile neurologist, mentioned it, and he leans in and he said, the what? He said, what's that stand for? And I was just like, he's the specialist in neurodegeneration. Like, dude, do you understand where it's coming from? But to your point, um, light, we are energy and light beings, right? We, we got to make energy and we got to be able to signal. We, we got to be able to signal. That's what light is. So, so uh, one of my students introduced me to one of her mentors down in Australia. She's from Australia. And he's a 40-year veteran of a naturopathic medicine and 40 years of chiropractic medicine. But he spent 30 of those 40 years studying the alchemy of copper and iron. Fascinating guy. His name is John. Just an amazing guy to talk to. He's about my age. And um, he said, Morley, it's important that you know uh, about the properties of copper. And I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm five years old. It's Christmas Day. I'm opening up presents. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. He said, copper has a magnetic attraction to sunlight and to ammonia. And then my wheels start turning. And, and he says, does that impress you? I said, no kidding. He said, why does it impress you? I said, because that's the beginning and end of life. And he said, that's right. So <clears throat> what is, fo- you as a farmer, or if you run a farmer's market, you're working with farmers, they're pretty dependent on something called photosynthesis, right? <laughs> Yes. You've, yes. you've heard of it, right? Absolutely. Okay. There's three enzymes. The three enzymes that run photosynthesis. And there's photosynthesis, photosystem two, and there's photosystem one. One was discovered before two, but two actually occurs before one. But there's a bridge between photosystem two and photosystem one, and it's called plastocyanin. Plastocyanin is the bridge to get the electrons from photosystem two to get them to photosystem one. And guess what it requires? Copper. Copper. Plastocyanin does not work without copper. How many times has Jack Cruz said that publicly? Never. Most important, again, we're back to some of the most important transactions is if those electrons can't get over, there's no, there's no chemical reaction. There's no energy in the plant. Otto Warburg, probably the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest scientists to ever grace this planet. Now, I want your listeners to understand two numbers. 
He was nominated 52 times for a Nobel Prize. That's more than <laughs> that's more than than all the scientists combined. He's 52 times, but he only got one because he lived in Germany during the war, and Hitler said one was enough. Warburg was a German Jew, and it was a miracle that he was allowed to live, much less get a Nobel Prize. Now, the other number is 18. That's how many medical schools rejected me. 12 in one day. And I thought for the longest time it's because I wasn't smart enough. Had nothing to do with it. Most of the doctors on the planet are firstborns. And what do firstborns do? They protect the status quo. They don't challenge authority. That's all I've done my whole life is challenge authority and get to the get to the root of it. But, but the reason why I bring up Dr. Warburg is he had three passions, three things that he worked his whole career on. Photosynthesis. He was obsessed with photosynthesis. That the process inside the mitochondria called oxidative phosphorylation where oxygen becomes water. We just talked about that. Most important transaction on the planet. And his third obsession, cancer. Now, what's the one word that Otto, Ward Warb Otto Warburg choked on throughout his career? Copper. What's the one word that Jack Cruz chokes on? Copper. Copper. And so... The thing is, what we're supposed to believe now in the, mo in the modern era is that copper causes cancer. Don't you know? Oh, that pesky copper is make, it has angiogenesis and it's causing the, the blood vessels to, to, like, that's just a response to lack of oxygen. And there's, there's a concept called, you've, you've probably, if you've done your reading, and I'm sure you have, it's called the Warburg effect. Have you ever heard of it? Absolutely. Do you want to know what it is or should I keep it a secret? No, I want you to explain it. <laughs> the Warburg effect is that even though oxygen is present, the cancerous tissue uses anaerobic glycolysis to make energy. Now, to put it in perspective, anaerobic glycolysis, you make 2 ATP. You expose that same sugar to oxygen, and you can make 34 ATP. But if you use the same amount of fat in the presence of oxygen, you can make 140 ATP. So what is cancer? It is a regression back to early life form before there was oxygen on this planet. Now, put on your thinking cap. Why would the tissue, why would the tissue ferment sugar and not oxidize it? There's only one reason. There's not enough copper. And lack of copper causes the Warburg effect. Warburg never said it. 
He knew it. I'm convinced he knew it. He did a famous, gave a famous address in 1928 in both Berlin and New York City. And by the grace of God, I was able to find the one in New York City so I could actually read it because it was in English. But he was explaining how he came upon this discovery of complex four in the mitochondria, which he got a Nobel Prize for in 1931. He, he's the guy that figured it out, right? The whole thing's a scam. He, he, used, he used oxygen. He did not use activated oxygen. And in his address, he said, and the reason why is activated oxygen would have created rust. He said it would have destroyed the experiment. Like, you know how you activate oxygen? Expose it to copper. And he knew exactly what he was doing. And I've only found one article that talked that there's, there's two reasons for cancer to, that I can think of or have I've identified metabolically. I came across an article about breast cancer a number of years ago, and it talked about five times more iron in the breast cancer cells than the healthy cells next to them. Five times more iron. I guess what iron does, it suppresses copper. It can't, it can't work. And what does iron do in the presence of oxygen? Rust. Creates, creates rust, creates oxidative stress. That's, that's one explanation for cancer. The other, which I think is maybe even more significant, Your, your listeners supposed to think I'm some nut job to, to know stuff that I know. But I'm just fascinated by the history of it. In 1936, no, excuse me, 1926, so, so five years before he gets the Nobel nod, I mean, this, this guy was as arrogant as anyone you've ever known. He thought it was the smartest guy on the planet. He couldn't, he, you, know what he, you know what he said? I don't know what the German phrase was, but the English phrase that Sam Apple uses in this book, when he gets the Nobel Prize, he said, it's about damn time. But in, but in 1926, he's competing with a guy named Johannes Fibinger, another famous scientist, but you've never heard of Johannes Fibinger. And they were competing about what caused cancer. And Fibinger said it was a virus and Warburg was talking about some metabolic process, but he didn't get into the real guts of it. And, it. and it turns out the Nobel Committee did not give a Nobel Prize that year. And there was this heated debate, and finally they gave the, the award to Fibinger in 1937, in 1927. And you, you can imagine Warburg's reaction. He was just incensed and raged. Not long after he gets the Nobel Prize, Fibinger recants his explanation for the virus. He said, I don't think it's a virus. He said, I think it's a retinol deficiency. And I, like, what? And when I read that, I was like, I was absolutely fascinated. So I started to dig into it. And it turns out that in 1925, a guy named Montrose T. Burroughs, 
Is that a name or what? Montrose T. Burroughs. That's, that's, all, that's better than my name, you know. Montrose T. Burroughs um, gets his medical degree at Hopkins in 1909, and he's working at the Rockefeller Institute in the 20s. Now, for your listeners, if, if, if people want to know where was the epicenter of darkness in medicine, it was at the Rockefeller Institute. I mean, people's sphincters should be tightening up. But in 1925, he proved that retinol deficiency caused cancer. In 1926, four articles published by Montrose T. Burroughs reaffirmed and proved that retinol deficiency caused cancer. Now, your listeners are like scratching their head because they're like, they're worried about their vitamin D and they don't know what vitamin A is. They've never even heard of it. Retinol, what's retinol? It's like retina of the eye runs on retinol and there's a connection between the eye and the liver. Where's where is retinol stored in the body? In the liver, if it can find any room because of all the iron that's being stored there. Because it's just, it's, it's absolutely insane. But But the important point is, Let's fast forward. So let's go from 1925, 26, 27. Let's go to 2016. And a famous German scientist discovers that there's something inside the mitochondria called a signalosome. You've never heard. His name is Hammerling. Hammerling. You're going to go nuts when you hear this. So there's a little rectangular shaped um, quadrant between complex three and complex four of the mitochondria. And in the center of that quadrant is a molecule of retinol. And what Dr. Hammerling was able to prove is that the electron, you're worried about electrons, right? You're worried about light, right? The electrons ride the retinol backbone to get from complex three to complex four so that oxygen can be activated, so that hydrogen can be activated and turn oxygen into two molecules of water. And in his article in 2016, he specifically cites the fact that this is the origin of what Warburg was talking about. The Warburg effect is lack of retinol. And it's like, wow. well, there is a well, and, and here's why no one knows about retinol. I was born in 52. September 24th, 1955, President Eisenhower had his first of eight heart attacks. He was playing golf. Here he is, Supreme Allied Commander, President of the United States, he has a heart attack. Can you imagine the nation being gripped with fear when their esteemed leader is, you know, holding his chest? And along comes a guy named Ansel Keys, famous physiologist. And what does Ansel Keys do? He puts him on a low-fat diet. We're going to take cholesterol out of your diet. We're going to, and anything associated with, well, guess what's attached to cholesterol? Retinol. And so when you put people on a low-fat diet, you've eliminated retinol from their diet. What happened after that? 
Oh, Eisenhower had seven more heart attacks. And people all over the world are having heart attacks. It's still the number one cause of death. And I had the fortune of meeting a guy named Fred Kumaro. He was a famous lipidologist. means he studied fats. And he wrote a really important article that I stumbled upon in, in 2010 when I was in Chicago. And my, my stock and trade is when I find an article that I think is really good, I'll just call the author up and thank him. I didn't know who this guy was. Turns out he was 98 years old, still going to the lab 20 hours a week. He invites me down to his home in, in uh, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, two-hour drive from Chicago. He said, would you come down? I'd love to, love to meet you. I said, I'm, I'm totally honored. Can't wait. <laughs> this is the guy who spoke to his friend who ran the Edible Oil Society, a major lobbying firm in Washington, D.C. And Fred Kumaro said to his classmate from, he got his uh, PhD at University of Wisconsin in 1940. He said to his classmate, could you dial back on the omega-6 in those uh, corn oils? You're killing too many Americans. And if you've ever looked at um, graphs of heart disease, it's a 45 degree angle from 1910 to about 1973. And then it levels out. And that's when Fred Kumaro had that conversation. He's, he's credited with having saved two and a half million lives just from that one conversation. But the point is, if you don't have retinol, you can't load copper into its critical enzymes and then if they don't, if those, if copper's not in those enzymes, it can't regulate iron and oxygen. It can't stop the aging process. I mean, it's, it's all tied. And that's what the root cause protocol is about is stop believing the narrative of mainstream medicine and mainstream nutrition. Go back to the wisdom of your ancestors Get the minerals you need, get the fat-soluble vitamins you need, both A and D, get it in beef liver, cod liver oil, you know, butter, heavy cream, things like that, and stop listening to these talking heads talk about this and that, because it's, it's all based on that meme, you're anemic and you're copper toxic. The whole thing is based on that. And your son, God, God bless him. Uh, that's a that's a tough way to start your life. But my theory, if I can posit a theory, is that your your wife, his mom, was a mineral desert. Was he your first child or was he a later born? First. He was first. Yeah, he's my first of four. Okay. So something was going on with your wife, and I would venture to guess that she was being told to take iron during her pregnancy, which most women are told, they focus on iron and vitamin D. Do you know how much vitamin D and iron is found in breast milk? None. None. Mother Nature does not want iron, does not want vitamin D in breast milk. And your wife is taking a birth, she was taking a... Um, um, prenatal. Prenatal, thank you. Uh, she was taking a prenatal. She might have even been taking iron on top of it. She didn't have enough retinol in her diet. And by some quirk of fate, your oldest son 
developed a metabolic condition. You're absolutely right about that. And um, the most important thing to understand about pregnancy is in the last trimester, there's a download of copper from mom to the baby. It's true of all mammals. So you and I are adults and our, our liver has seven milligrams of copper in it, it's supposed to. And when we were born, assuming we were born to healthy moms, mine's questionable, I'm not sure about yours, but assuming we were born to healthy moms, we got 70 milligrams of copper, 10 times what we have as an adult. And I would question whether your son got that download. Uh, what kind of cancer did he have? Kidney, is Wilms. Okay, which is an unusual form of cancer. And what, what happens in a low copper environment is iron builds. And the kidney is critically dependent on copper. And if copper's not there, then the iron builds in the tissue. So that, I mean, that's a, a different explanation than you might have ever heard before. But it's one no, that... No, I, th I think it weaves in there really, uh, really well. I mean, we didn't know anything uh, early on. I do know that uh, I am uh, homozygous on MTHFR. Okay. And a couple different SNPs. And so obviously he's going to at least have half of that. And so I suspect that the methylation being messed up, the uh, he spit up really bad as a baby. And so what they told us to do was, you know, formula and uh, cereals that they had the folic acid in there. And so I think that he wasn't able to detoxify either. Uh, he did have a vaccine reaction that our pediatrician, you know, turned in. What happened morally was, uh, the bile shut down in his liver, and uh, he, he pooped chalk white. Scared us absolutely to death. And so come, you know, fast forward just a couple years later, and, and you know, we got stage four cancer uh, of the kidney. So I, I feel like there's a lot that played into it, uh, and I, I I can't say that what you're saying uh, wasn't, you know, it, very important to that. Well, what's important to know is that methylation requires copper. And um, we, we're being trained to believe in gene defects, right? You, you know you've got this gene defect, right? You know that, yeah. right? Don't even question it, right? Well, I, <clears throat> I mentioned the PAM enzyme a little while ago. There's a husband and wife team that studied that enzyme for 45 years, 20 years at Hopkins, 25 years at Yukon Medical Center. That's a long time to study one enzyme. Constant funding source for 45 years. That's unheard of. In 2008 to 2012, they had some very elite students studying the PAM enzyme, and they wanted to do some very innovative testing. And what they did was they took mice, those poor little creatures, broke them up into two groups, one group was they withheld copper from their diet. And the other group, they had modified the gene for the PAM enzyme. So the level of expression was the same for the copper-deprived group and the gene-altered group. The level of expression was identical. Then they did something that no one had ever done before. They fed copper 
to both groups. I guess what happened? Function restored in both groups. And one of the authors, one of the students in his dissertation, and yes, I'm enough of a nerd that I actually read his dissertation, he actually made comment to the fact that gene defects are an expression of copper deficiency. Wow. And so the whole kit and caboodle of gene defects, pardon my French, is a bunch of hoo-ha. And so you, you may be copper deficient, but you're not gene defect. And your son does have, he probably has wonky genes, but he will respond to copper in the course of his lifetime. And if, you know, the, the thing is, the methylation process is absolutely dependent on folate, B9, and B12. And if, and if, if methionine synthase, which is the head of the methylation process, you've studied it, I'm sure, well, methionine synthase enzyme needs a battery. Who's the battery for methionine synthase? It's called copper. What's the battery to make B9 work? It's called copper. What's the battery to make B12 work? It's called copper. You seeing a pattern here? Absolutely. And so, so we live on a planet now where there's this toxic chemical that's being sprayed all over the soil that has this ability to chelate copper more powerfully than anything else on the planet. Then we have food that's exposed to fructose, high fructose sweeteners, high fructose corn syrup, perfect copper chelator, blocks copper uptake in the, in the intestine, so we can't get the copper in. Oh, and then if we get sick, I've got you covered. I'm going to give you some fourth generation antibiotics. Do you know why they're called antibiotics? Anti-life. Do you know how they work? They chelate copper out of the bacteria. Wow. Do you know what? Do you know the other name for mitochondria? They're called purple bacteria. Why are they called purple bacteria? Because the complex four that we were talking about earlier is sky blue and it emits red light. You're worried about light. And if, <laughs> if copper's not right, the red light doesn't work. And so they're giving us chemicals in our farming food processing and pharmaceutical systems that are sucking copper out of our body and everyone thinks they're copper toxic. Does that make any sense wow. to you? It, it makes a ton of sense. Um, and, what, the, and the farmers that you're working with, they don't have a clue what we're talking about. No, they don't. And, and you know, I have got uh, Ray Archuleta coming up here in a little bit and he is like the soil guy. And I'm just like just kind of screaming inside of like, how do we get copper inside the soil? How do we get it into the plants, into the animals, into the food system? Um, 10, to so 15 I, pounds, I, 10 to 15 pounds copper sulfate per acre. And guess how long it takes after glyphosate's been administered? How long? Seven and a half years. Wow. Seven and a half years of spraying copper sulfate to restore 
the copper that's been taken out of the soil. Wow. So, yeah, we got a lot of work to do, but we're, we're going to do it. I, I'm very hopeful. Um, Morley, can you do me one more to, to play on to, you know, I got, I got Jack on, on my mind still too, because we literally that's just fine. finished up with him before. That's but fine. when he's talking about melanin, I, I'm trying to connect things that I've heard different places. I have heard in the other copper protocol that the, a tan is easier to obtain when you have the adequate copper or copper helps mm-hmm. to prevent sunburn, these different things. Well, to me, that has a connection to melanin, right? Can you help me understand the copper melanin connection? Sure. Um, did, did Jack talk about tyrosinase enzyme? Yes. What did he say about it? Uh, that it was part of the melanin process of did he, creation. Did he, did he explain what allows tyrosinase to work? Two copper atoms? Two copper atoms. Okay. doesn't work without copper. Right? Right. And, and so <clears throat> there's a very incestuous relationship between copper and tyrosine. Tyrosinase is an enzyme that's working with tyrosine, relying on copper. Thank you very much. And so here's the part that you may not want to know. So you're talking about tanning. You go out in the sun, you know, get, get the, what do you think it is in your skin that's attracting the sunlight? It's called copper. Magnetic attraction for sunlight is affecting tyrosinase function, which is affecting melanin production. You're absolutely, you're, you're, you're spot on. And the food industry has our back, right? <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. So the most studied and most used elements in the food industry are called tyrosinase inhibitors. Have you ever even heard of that expression? Not outside of your work. (laughs) TIs, tyrosinase inhibitors. And, And the whole focus is they're trying to stop food from spoiling on the shelf. Their focus is shelf life not human life. And what people don't know is how important melanin is to make color. Have you ever seen what our body looks like inside? There's different colors, yes. right? The gallbladder, the gallbladder is green. The, the liver is of kind of a reddish brown. The spleen on the other side. You know what color the spleen is? What color it's supposed to be? Dark purple. red. Purple. 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 And, and what's important to know is that all of the colors from yellow to black come by way of melanin. And melanin does not work without tyrosinase. Well, where do we find tyrosinase? Well, you've heard of vitamin C, right? Yeah. And when, and when you go to the store to buy vitamin C, you grab the bottle because it says vitamin C on the front label. 
But when you turn it around, what does it say? Ascorbic acid. Ascorbic acid. acid. There's a difference between ascorbic acid and vitamin C. So you probably, I'll bet you drive a truck at some point. And and what's the design of a truck? It has an engine, has a steering wheel, has at least four wheels, and it has a cover, right? And that's the design of the whole food vitamin C complex engine, steering wheel, wheels, and a cover. What's ascorbic acid? It's the cover of the truck and no moving parts. There is no engine in ascorbic acid. And there's an enzyme that you've probably never heard of. I don't think Jack has ever heard of. And it's called ascorbate oxidase. Oh, oxidase. That sounds like that thing inside the mitochondria. Yeah. And it's what allows ascorbic acid to be recycled in our body. And it's really, really important. Nobody talks about it, but it's one of the most important copper-dependent enzymes. There are 11. They'll tell you that there are 11 that are important. There are hundreds. I found hundreds of enzymes that must have copper, but we're not supposed to know that. Come on. Come on. You're copper toxic. Come on. get, get. And so... Another important Nobel Prize to know about was in 1937. Albert Sven Gorgi, famous uh, scientist, physician, and he was studying um, hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid is what runs wound repair in our body. Put on your thinking cap. Gee, I wonder what what the battery pack is for hyaluronic acid. It's called copper. But there's another substance that's very similar to it that has no copper. It's called hexuronic acid. Hyaluronic, hexuronic, gosh, they sound the same. And so what they did was they took this guy who was studying hyaluronic acid, HY, and gave him a Nobel Prize for, for discovering hexuronic acid. Oh, you know what another name for hexuronic acid is? It's called ascorbic acid. And in 1937, all of the uh, available supplemental forms of vitamin C became ascorbic acid. Now, here's the part that's really funny. There's one lab in China that makes all of the ascorbic acid. Do you know how it's made? You take GMO corn and expose it to sulfuric acid and you get ascorbic acid. That sounds really good, right? Yeah, it sounds delicious. And so what's really funny about it is there's 150 supplement companies that all buy from that one lab in China and then say, well, my ascorbic acid is better than your ascorbic acid. It's all the same. And it's all poison to our metabolism because it has this much copper in it. And here's the most important part. I hope I'm not overwhelming you. No, you're not overwhelming me. Yeah, I think I'm going to overwhelm your listeners. But here's here's the most important part about ascorbic acid. There's a protein in our body that's the master antioxidant protein called ceruloplasmin. Cerulo, sky blue. Oh, there's that color blue again. 
ceruloplasmin. It has eight copper atoms inside it. Wow, that sounds important. So picture, I don't know whether you've seen the movie Fury with Brad Pitt, the tank commander. He had five soldiers running the tank. It's real important, right? And when you see the movie, you'll discover there's a, a hatch at the bottom of the tank so the soldiers can get out. Well, it turns out that ceruloplasmin has that same hatch. It's a tyrosine amino acid, and it, when, it gets, when it gets exposed to nitrogen, the hatch opens up and the coppers come rushing out. Well, then the tank doesn't work anymore, does it? It doesn't have a driver, doesn't have anyone to load. And, and people, people in, your, in your audience are like, well, I've never heard of ceruloplasm, so it can't be very important. When in fact, it's the master antioxidant protein. It can express 20 different enzymes. And in 1948, when Holmberg and Laurel, two Swedish physiologists, first wrote about it, they highlighted the fact that one substance will destroy the function of ceruloplasmin, and it's called ascorbic acid. Ascorbic acid doesn't just destroy ceruloplasmin, it blocks copper's uptake in the intestine. And, and what people may recall from 2020 was there was something called the COVID cocktail. And people were sucking down high doses of ascorbic acid, high doses yep. of vitamin D, and high doses of zinc, right? Yep. I don't want to get that COVID thing because I'm in a state of fear. Well, those three are a perfect triad to kill the bioavailability of copper in the human body. But no one's ever heard that. And so we live on a very twisted planet. We're here to learn our lessons. We're here to help each other, try to understand what happened, try to support each other. But we live with these overlords that create nothing but stress in our world. And now we have these soil that has no copper, food that has no copper, and bodies that have no copper. And we're taught to believe in disease when in fact, the whole kit and caboodle is just energy deficiency. We can't make energy. And, and the physiology affects the function. And then symptoms appear. Then we run to the Merck manual, look up, oh, I have XYZ syndrome. It gets tattooed against our forehead. And we believe that. It's all energy deficiency because the purple bacteria in our tissue don't have enough copper. I think I forgot to tell you that there's 50,000 atoms of copper inside the matrix of every mitochondria. 50,000 times 40 quadrillion. That's a lot of copper that we need. And we do. That's a lot of copper. And, and it's being taken out of our environment methodically and completely. Well, Morley, there's so much more I want to talk about. Uh, so many questions. Like methylene blue and what's the protocol and melatonin. I mean, just on and on. I've got so well, many for you. But Well, let's set up another call or two to do that. It would be my I delight love it. to share that. Yeah. Thank you, Morley, because what, what we're talking about, I feel like, is such an important topic, but just being able to distill the knowledge into 
applicable things, just like you've done with the root protocol, uh, root cause protocol. I, I think it's just such a valuable topic and, and just dive in to imply, help people. I, that's the only way I've been able to rationalize my baby getting cancer is how yeah. can I learn and how can I help other people? So thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us on Sewing Prosperity. Be sure to follow along across the social media platforms, including YouTube, and be sure to go to sewingprosperity.com.